everyone. This is Sam. And this is Corrine, and we are two OncDocs. In this week's episode, we'll be focusing on follicular lymphoma and go over important details on diagnostic criteria, indication for treatments, as well as key treatment options. Yes. So I hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving holiday and congrats to everyone who matched into Hematology Oncology Fellowship last week. Welcome to the family. We're going to be diving back into a topic of malignant hematology that we have not covered yet, but has been heavily requested. And that's going to be follicular lymphoma, which falls under the category or the bigger category of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yes, follicular lymphoma represents about 12% of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and it's the most common indolent lymphoma after CLL, usually slow-growing, often presents with painless adenopathy, more common in elderly patients, and patients will often die with their disease rather than from their disease because there is an overall survival of over 20 years. Great. I think it's always important to realize these indolent diseases and these long overall survivals and take that into consideration when we talk about when to treat and what to treat with and weighing toxicities, risks, and benefits. And so how do we diagnose follicular lymphoma? So you'll do an excisional lymph node biopsy, and typically the tumor has a distinctly nodular growth pattern and is comprised of a mixture of central sites and central blasts. Awesome. It is so important to commit to memory that excisional lymph node biopsy. You cannot have an FNA or a core needle because it doesn't give you enough to show the architecture of these diseases. You will get burned on that. Um, And so how do we stage follicular lymphoma? So per the Ann Arbor criteria, so limited stage includes stage one, which is one lymph node, and stage two, which is more than two lymph nodes on the same side of the diaphragm. And then advanced disease includes stage three, which is both sides of the diaphragm, or stage four, which is extra lymphatic disease. And of note, stage three and four are treated the same way, so it's not always necessary to do a bone marrow biopsy, but a bone marrow biopsy can be considered to document stage one and two, or if involved radiation is planned, or to evaluate unexplained cytopenias. Right. I'm that 10 centimeter cutoff, you have to commit to memory for bulky disease. Um, and so what imaging is part of this staging criteria? So we do PET scans because they're very sensitive to pick up extranodal disease. And the SUV cutoff for follicular lymphoma versus more aggressive lymphomas is controversial. There's not a specific threshold, but when there is discordance with the SUV and the biopsy, try to biopsy the most avid area. Definitely. And so what else is part of the essential diagnostic testing for follicular lymphoma? So tumor cells express monotypic immunoglobulin light chains, CD20 or CD19, CD10 and BCL6, and are negative for CD5 and CD23. The vast majority, over 85%, express BCL2. And then you can do molecular genetics to confirm the presence of immunoglobulin gene rearrangements and the T1418 translocation involving BCL2, but it's not specific for follicular lymphoma. And usually proliferation of KI67 is on the lower end, and NGS is becoming more common practice, and you'll look for EZH2, TNFRSF14, and STAT6. Great. It is so important to commit those B-cell markers to memory and know that follicular lymphoma has positivity in the B-cell marker. So that's CD20, CD19, you definitely need to know. Um, And so how do we grade follicular lymphoma? So from grade one to three B, based on the number of central blasts or central sites, but we are trying to move away from this because of variability. Great. And so what are some other rare types of follicular lymphoma out there? 
So there's a pediatric type, which is BCL2 negative and has an excellent prognosis. And then there's also a duodenal type, which is localized to small bowel. But I really don't think they asked about this on the boards. I do not remember these at all. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think you guys should be tested on them. And if you are, that's pretty mean. Um, and so jumping forward, how do we prognosticate follicular lymphoma? Do we have models for this and what do they include? Yes, we have Flippy and Flippy 2. So Flippy is age equal or greater than 60, stage 3 and 4 disease, an elevated LDH, a hemoglobin under 12, and more than four nodal sites. For Flippy 2, instead of the stage 3 and 4, you have bone marrow involvement as a criteria. And then you also have um, beta 2 microglobulin instead of LDH, and then tumor mass greater than 6 centimeters. You don't need to memorize all these criteria. The Important criteria to memorize is actually the GELF criteria, which I'll go over in a minute. Um, also important to know that male sex has a worse prognosis and outcomes are correlated with end of treatment PET, but MRD is not standard at this time. However, it might be integrated in the future. Great. And so now let's dive into it treatment wise. So first, when do we decide if we need to treat follicular lymphoma? So you definitely need to know the GALF criteria. So this is one tumor over seven centimeters or three nodes over three centimeters. Or if you have symptomatic splenic enlargement, organ compression, ascites or pleural effusion, cytopenias or B symptoms, basically any symptoms. And then remember those centimeter cutoffs. Um, and if you don't meet GALF criteria, then surveillance is recommended. Awesome. So now diving into the patients who need to be treated, we'll break it into two categories, limited disease and advanced disease. And so let's get started with limited. So limited disease are stage ones or the contiguous stage twos. And remember stage two is same side of the diaphragm and radiation is preferred for these. Um, but you can also have the option of rituximab and radiation doses are 24 gray. And these are just as good as higher doses and given in two gray fractions. And in some trials, they even looked at lower doses that can also be considered. But if significant morbidity is expected from radiation based on the location and distribution of the tumor, or if the patient doesn't want to undergo radiation, you can consider some of the systemic agents used in stage three or four follicular lymphoma. And so let's talk about those. So how do we treat advanced follicular lymphoma disease? So again, make sure that you're meeting criteria per GELF for treatment, and these Stage threes and fours are not curable, and most patients with asymptomatic disease may defer therapy. And so if you have an indication for treatment, our mainstay of treatment is chemoimmunotherapy, and that is BR or BO, so bendamustine rituximab or bendamustine obinutuzumab, which are anti-CD20 monoclonal antibodies. And bendamustine is given IV two days in a row every four weeks for a total of six cycles. And toxicity includes increased infection risk, nausea, fatigue, and rash. And for elderly patients, you may consider just rituximab by itself. Always make sure to check for hepatitis serologies before anti-CD20 monoclonal antibodies. And you will perform imaging after two and three cycles. Um, and again, six weeks after completion of treatment with a PET. And the PET will list the Doville score for rep reporting the response to treatment. Um, and if you have symptoms concerning for recurrence or refractory disease, you should also repeat imaging at that time. Um, one caveat to this treatment for advanced disease is that if you have grade 3B, you should treat these like the fuge large B cell with chemo like ARCHOP. And so you talked a lot about targeting that CD20. Is there any role for maintenance CD20 antibodies? 
Yes. The PRIMA study looked at this. So the PFS was improved for patients that got two years of maintenance for tuximab, but there was no difference in OS. So ultimately, if patients and clinicians place a high value on prolonged PFS, you can consider it. However, know that toxicity will also be increased. Yeah. It's always important to weigh those risks and those benefits. And so what are the risk factors for transformation to this high-grade lymphoma? So a lower performance status, a high LDH, B symptoms, if you have grade 3A disease, deletion 1Q or 6Q, loss of beta 2 microglobulin, TP53, and PIM1, among some others. And so what is done if there's any concern for relapse disease? So as I mentioned, you must repeat a biopsy and the same principles um, apply for relapse disease. So if there's no GELF criteria met, you can just survey. You can also reuse the same treatments if there's been a long interval since the prior treatment. So that can include giving BR again. Another treatment option is lenalidomide rituximab. And remember, lenalidomide is given orally 20 milligrams for days 1 through 21 of a 28-day cycle. And this can cause fatigue and cytopenias and also cause a rash, which can be managed with topical steroids. In some settings, you may consider those DLBCL regimens like RCHOP or RCVP. And whenever I say R, there's also that option of obinutuzumab, the O. And in some cases of second-line early relapse, um, patients may be considered for consolidation with autologous or allogeneic stem cell transplant. Great. And so what other targeted regimens are available for relapse follicular disease in the third plus line setting? So you have a PI3K inhibitor called copanlisib. So the other PI3Ks that were approved in the past from accelerated FDA approvals were removed from the market due to toxicity, but you can forget about those. Um, there's also an EZH2 inhibitor, tezametostat, which is approved regardless of EZH2 status. And then CAR-T is approved. There are two CAR-T agents, AXI and TISA. And we did discuss this in a prior episode. There is encouraging durability. And remember that toxicity of cytokine release syndrome and neurologic toxicity. And then finally, there was a, a bispecific T-cell engager, Mosinituzumab, which was approved in December, 2022. Awesome. I think you covered all of the high points. Anything that I could remember from boards for, from, for on follicular lymphoma, you definitely hit. So what are our key takeaways for this episode? So make sure you know how to identify follicular lymphoma based on the immunohistochemistry and that T1418 translocation. You'll find those pan B cell markers with CD19, 20, 22, 79A, and germinal center markers like BCL6, CD20, sorry, CD10, and also high BCL2 expression. Make sure you know the indications for treatments based on GELF criteria. So basically symptoms or a tumor over seven centimeters or three tumors over three centimeters. And if there is no indication for treatment, you can watch and wait. If there is a need for treatment, very simplified approach is localized disease. You're just going to give radiation by itself at 24 grays, or you can also consider single agent rituximab. And then for hybrid disease, remember that BR or BO, so bendamustine with either rituximab or abinutuzumab. Awesome. Thanks so much for covering this topic. As always, thank you guys for listening. And we are excited to have some special guests for our upcoming bladder cancer episode updates. So stay tuned in the next few weeks for those. And as always, please feel free to reach out to us with corrections or comments on our Instagram or our Twitter to Onk Docs. Have a great week, everybody. Mm-hmm.